Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, dear listener. Tom Stab here, doing everyone's favourite part of any podcast, the chat at the beginning that stops you getting to the actual episode you want to listen to. If you've been listening to our latest series covering Knowing Me, Knowing You Radio, you'll know that we've set up a Kofi page that allows you to help support the podcast without anything changing with our output. We just wanted to take the opportunity to thank some of you that have donated so far, including Richard, Dave Ernsberger, Woody, Alexander, James Tovell, Drew Cameron, and someone who decided to remain anonymous. Can't remember why. We love you, in a way. If you'd like to join those fine individuals and potentially have your name read out on the podcast, you can do so by heading to ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis thanks a lot jed initiate podcast welcome to knowing me knowing you knowing me alan parties knowing you the audience i've got a hit on my hands monkey tennis is that good therapy or balmy old cack conrad knights monkey tennis i'm alan partridge lots of meaty chat monkey tennis i just want you to admit that you hate les dennis what is it what is it what is it monkey tennis okay i'm in manhattan what do i do now you are a little shit monkey tennis that in england is a whore i've taken drugs lord morgan if you speak again Hit you. And on that bombshell, monkey tennis. Thank goodness it's radio. I never thought I'd say that. Hello, fellow fops, and welcome again to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast, where we're working our way through Knowing Me, Knowing You, the radio series, episode by episode. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined once again by Tom Dark. 
Identification only possible with reference to dental records. Nick Alder. What is your favourite colour car? And Tom Stab. For the British, Bergerac is John Nettles. So, uh, yes. sorry, Adam, just before we start, I have got some traditional French uh, smelling salts for everyone to, <laughs> to try. So if well, I just crack those open Fantastic. now, you can all have a little, uh, you know, as we go through the show, maybe just uh, try oh, these. They are, tra- they are traditional, by the oh, way. It's like so, the generation yeah. game, this. Yeah, great. Cool. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so uh, Tim Stringer emails at the top of the show to, to ask who wrote Knowing Me, Knowing You. Uh, Alan is pleased to go into significant detail about this. <laughs> uh, it's the Jeff Love Orchestra that recorded Alan's version. Uh, so this is obviously pre ponder yeah and obviously the joke being that the listener that's written in hasn't heard of abba before that's the joke yeah so the jeff love orchestra uh that is a real thing by the looks of it jeff love and his orchestra uh jeff love was a prolific british arranger and composer of easy listening and pop versions of film themes he became famous in the late 1950s so um originally well as detailed in ipartridge alan originally wants to have the winner takes it all uh as the name of the show and the song that's used in the title right uh but um <laughs> the producer suggested that they cho- he choose something a little bit more humble or like uh, alan alan show yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so they decide to send uh, they decide on uh know me knowing you um Alan says in uh, iPartridge, we put a call into ABBA's people and waited for the good news, but all we got was a snub. ABBA, it seemed, wanted to receive a special payment or royalty if their song was to be broadcast. <laughs> this was insane, I reason. <laughs> the man on Norwich Street Market who sells towel, uh, who sells towels plays this CD every week. Does he have to pay a royalty? Does a single mum have to pay a royalty if she blares it from her Fiesta car stereo? We were being victimised. I later discovered that royalty payments were an extremely common but no less sickening requirement of music broadcasting. Uh, so we had the song re-recorded by the Jeff Lovell Orchestra. This version retained all the poetry and drama of the original, but Jeff himself on guitar added much more treble to the mix and with extra cymbal work managed to add a sheen of accessibility and dare I say stardust to an already magnificent song. We had our musical motif. Now... In the book, it's actually spelt Jeff J E O F F. Yeah, now that is that is how it's spelt in terms of looking up Jeff Love and his orchestra, the real thing. So every ruddy word is wrong in this case. Yeah, there you go. The Jeff Love Orchestra on Spotify. Yeah, yep. so yep. it's so it's wrong in every there. every ruddy word. Yeah. So you can listen to uh, "In the Mood for Love" or "In the Mood for Waltzing." Or just the theme from Coronation Street. It's all there on so Spotify. So what are you in the mood for, Nick? Waltz, love, uh, or Coronation Street? Stick with what you know. It'll be the theme from Coronation Street for me. Great stuff. Now, did you notice the little continuity error in what I just read out? I said, and it's de- and it's and it's listed in it's written in iPartridge as this as the Jeff Lovell Orchestra, not the Jeff Love Orchestra. Oh, I thought that was you just stumbling no 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 so i was gonna see if you spotted it yeah it's the jeff lovell orchestra in uh in ipartridge i wonder if that's a genuine error or if that's a sort of draclia's house or if it's a you can say it on tv that it's jeff love but you can't pretend in a book that it's the real i think given the liberties they've taken with people's characters that's true there's a whole chapter on edmunds isn't there i I think nomad i think it's very much uh draclia uh it's I mean, I don't really understand. I think we've, we're still a bit like, what even is that joke? But I think that it is from that family of jokes. Uh, and then later on in iPartridge, uh, it says, uh, uh, Alan says, full disclosure, my first choice for house band had been the Jeff Lovell Orchestra. Oh. Hmm. So it happens twice. Interesting. Yeah, that's either a weird thing where for some reason they wouldn't be able to use the real name, but that seems unlikely. Uh, I think or it- it's a gag about Alan just... You know, basically Alan's saying, this orchestra is amazing and I wish that they could be my house band, but actually he doesn't even get the name right. (laughs) 
Or just a slip-up, I guess. Yeah. Could just be a right A, a genuine writer, mistake. A, a genuine human error. <laughs> Which is possible. Uh, Alan's first guest is The Pits. It's because he met him in The Pits <laughs> at the Monaco Grand Prix, which is a nice sort of tie back to the day-to-day and on the hour. I feel like a few episodes oh, yeah, yeah. a few episodes in, they've established him as a general chat host so they can now bring sport back in the mix mm. without confusing mm. things too much. So he's got France's second best racing driver because, of course, he couldn't get the first, could he? Uh, Michel Lambert um, is, uh, is his guest. Uh, oh, he asked Michel, do you get bored of the same old question? And Michelle's sort of, you know, grateful for a bit of relief from the, the barrage of, of boring questions. Uh, Alan follows up. When did you first want to be a racing driver? <laughs> but again, I feel like, I, for me personally, I feel like that's one of those jokes you can kind of see where that's going to go pretty much straight away. That obviously Alan is only going to have the same old questions. Mm, yeah. I quite like this section. So I wonder why they changed it um, in Knowing Me, Knowing You, the TV show. Because obviously you have Philippe Lambert, the chef in Knowing oh, Me, yeah, Knowing You, yeah. the TV show. So I wonder why they changed it. Because the conceit, obviously, in that was that he was in France. So it still could have worked because he was a French racing driver, I guess. Maybe the conceit of him being on the show and they wanted him to, I don't know, try the ball's testicles and they can do that yeah. without him being a well, chef. Yeah, right? I, I mean, it's not like they've taken every character from radio no. and made a... TV version well, of it. They haven't actually so, taken any character from radio and made a TV version, have they? They've uh, all been fairly significant. There is changed. one, isn't there? Isn't it? Um, oh, what's the name? I've got it here. Yvonne, Yvonne Boyd? Tony Hares, obviously. And Tony Hares, yeah. Oh, okay, and Yvonne yeah. Boyd, yeah. Okay. But yeah, for the, for the most part, they've tried to keep them as separate as possible, mm. haven't they? I guess mm. they need Tony Hares to, to drive the narrative yes. forward, particularly. And also, Lord Morgan of Glossop is very similar to, mm. to Forbes McAllister. Not in terms oh, yeah. of what he does, but in terms of his curmudgeonly yes. um, yeah. uh, personality. Yeah. Um, so he says to Michelle, uh, you're nearly at the top of your profession. Always <laughs> always careful to get in that he is the second best racing driver. Um, also, it's interesting, this bit, they're sort of comparing senses of humour. Alan clearly thinks there is only one type of humour. Like, you either have a sense <laughs> of humour or you don't. He doesn't recognise that people yeah. find different things funny, does he? He's <laughs> basically not very tactful. He can't see nuance and he just... Yeah, he, he can't read that situation. Yeah, um, that's he, it. Yeah, a, a lack of tact and a lack of nuance is yeah. that's Alan, isn't it? And once again, trying to tack his knowledge as a motoring enthusiast of sorts uh, onto Michelle's experience, he suggests that France's second best racing driver is probably the sort of person that watches Top Gear. Um, I mean, not likely for many reasons. He doesn't live in the country that broadcasts it. In 1992, I'm pretty sure it wasn't syndicated to France. Mm. So, I mean, and also, why would he? Yeah, I, d- I think I. It, I enjoyed the kind of um, setup to that comment as well, where he says, uh, do you ever think when you're driving along, oh, sacra blur, I've forgotten to set up the video to record Top Gear. Um, and there's more examples here, like we've seen in previous guests, previous episodes of the drivers sort of trying to humour Alan and rephrase Alan's questions into something better. Um, but Alan sticks to the original. He he will not be, he doesn't recognise when someone's trying to help him out, basically. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Michelle, he almost takes control of the interview a bit, mm. like uh, t- mm. towards the latter stage of the interview when... Alan asks, what's your favourite colour car? He says, have another go, Alan. So he's kind of giving him the opportunity to make it a decent interview, but obviously that never transpires. Uh, And then we arrive at the point where Alan doesn't know the difference between Cyrano de Bergerac and John Nettles (laughs) as Bergerac, um, (laughs) claiming that you guys, the French, ruined it, Bergerac. Just glad you haven't got your hands on Lovejoy. You'd probably set it in the future (laughs) when, of course, antiques will be more expensive. Um, when that's a great, that's a great that, line. That, but yeah. then the, the fact he finished with not a bad idea, really. Yeah. That was great. Like he's kind of continued the thought process and he's gone full circle and going like, this would be terrible. So actually, that's quite a good idea. Yeah. And also when he says, oh, you, you, it's good you haven't got your hands on Lovejoy, you'd probably set it in the future. That's actually quite a good joke. But mm. then following it with, when of course antiques will be more expensive, <laughs> unravel, shows yeah. that he doesn't understand how good the joke he's just told is. <laughs> was everyone else familiar with uh, Serrano de Bergerac? 
I personally wasn't. Yeah, I, I wasn't, no. But uh, yeah, 1990 film based on the player of the same name. Gerard, Gerard Depardieu, sorry, it's hard for me. To, Dep- Depardieu. 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 Depardieu was nominated for an Oscar for it as well. And it was the basis of the uh, 1987 film Roxanne starring uh, Steve mm. Martin where he's got the big old nose. Uh, I did enjoy as well that um, Alan mentions that in a recent survey, most of Alan's <laughs> listeners are infirm. Yep. <laughs> he does love the idea of a, a literally captive audience, doesn't he? Same same reason he uh, had such success with hospital radio. Yes, yes, get away. definitely, yeah. definitely. And he doesn't leave it there as well. It, it's piped in, so they literally have no control. But no to control. It. I, I liked uh, the kind of interplay with him and <laughs> Michelle there because Michelle's like, but Alan, they could at least bash the radio with their walking sticks, you know, and escape. I thought that was quite fun. <laughs> the idea that that's the length they'd have to go to and would to get away from his uh, broadcast. Um, also his style of interview has now degenerated to the point that he's reading a long list of bad questions and mm. that Michelle has to stop him when he thinks he's found a good one oh, and, the, and the fact that he says there are some bad questions and I've got the list here they're all bad yeah, go should on, we let, go through the yeah, list let's go through this. This. Okay. what's the biggest road you've driven on what's the furthest you've driven without stopping what's the fastest car you've driven what's the slowest car you've driven do you own a bicycle do Formula 1 cars use unleaded petrol have you ever driven a lorry? Have you ever driven a tractor, a minibus, a tank, a taxi, a rocket? What's your favourite mode of transport, land, sea or air? Uh, and then obviously the the question at the end is, when you crashed three years ago, did you ever consider... And then it goes on about not driving. And... Uh, quick question to the group. Have you ever driven a lorry, tractor, <laughs> minibus, tank or rocket? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. No, just no. car. No. Jed? No. Still no. on the bucket list. If you've driven a tank, a taxi, a rocket, or a tractor, get in touch. Or a minibus. Or a minibus, sorry, as well. <laughs> but that seems the most likely to be. Don't, <laughs> don't leave the minibus out. Nobody will respond. How, how many times in this interview se- section does Alan mention Michelle uh, not being at the top of his profession? I think, is it three times? There are slightly different versions of being number two. Definitely well, multiple, like yeah. 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 Um, and there's a bit of a running joke about the guest doing drugs. Uh, and before you know it, Michelle has him doing uh, smelling salts. It's coke, isn't it? He's doing coke on air. Great. And uh, I noted down that at uh, the point that Alan is sniffing coke, uh, there's 21 minutes of the show to go. <laughs> <laughs> so at the top of the interview, when obviously he's saying, what do you do to relax? He's like, I take drugs. And he's like, mm. oh, no, I'm joking. Mm. He probably wasn't joking, was he? No, he no, definitely he wasn't drunk, <laughs> joking. Yeah. Um, so we're on to the next guest, I believe. A woman who is always, and I quote Alan's words, not mine, popping up and popping out, if you've seen her chest. <laughs> it's Shirley D. Uh, Everyone's favourite showbiz cockney. Yes. Played by Rebecca Front. Uh, and entering to Super Trooper. Yes. Um, yeah, so Super Trooper, that's kind of like, that links with the spotlights, fame, celebrity things. So mm. there, there's there's normally a thematic link to the ABBA song with the with, mm. the, with the guests they got coming on. And there's a bit of ease to, to the entry here because we finally got a guest that likes and appreciates Alan and the show, even yeah. the catchphrase. But we do find that Alan will not tolerate being spoken over, even if it's a guest that absolutely it, loves him. It is getting tiresome. Yeah. And I guess the implication is that, yeah, she's familiar with Alan as a broadcaster and actually quite likes him. That's mm. the way it, it begins in quite a, uh, quite a friendly fashion, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm not really sure. Is she basically an it girl sort of thing? Is it What, what is she? I had to... In my notes, I'm thinking, is she a Barbara Windsor? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Right. Okay. So it's, you know, it's a bit East End. She's a bit older. Um, She's known for massive boobs. I think. (laughs) I think it all lines up. Right. Yeah. Um. uh, Oh, sorry. Go on. And the the other thought thing I thought when they talk about Uncle Dennis later, it almost feels like Uncle Dennis could very much be the Terry Norton character that we see. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 
so yeah, it starts on cordial terms, but it's not long before Alan's saying, let's not beat about the bush. You're 52. Um, <laughs> and then describes her as still having an eye for the fellas, presumably now with the added bonus of not having to worry about being pregnant. <laughs> and I thought that's exactly how he talks to Jill, isn't it? About uh, they won't have any use for uh, sheaths. He's got an obsession with sort yeah. of aging women, hasn't mm, he? Like yep. actually putting an age on them. I d- d- don't know where that comes from or, or what it's for, but I, is, it, is, is he just trying to, I don't know, but, but I don't really know. But, but it's, them, it's all know. part of the lack of tact from yeah, the start, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. it? And it also, I mean, it sort of it sort of represents the like tabloid misogyny of the day as well, doesn't it? That uh, that women are always described in terms of their appearance and their age and their yeah, ability yeah, to, yeah. to bear children. That's the all only about thing their sexual thinks. availability. Yeah. yeah, and it's not just um, uh, women. Women remember uh, this is what he was kind of um, accusing Adam Wells uh, in terms of being an older man that's sexually free and not being able to have children. It's kind of he will attack anyone for. But then, but then. The thing is with Adam Wells, he's painting that in a negative light. Uh, with Shirley D, he's actually saying it, it's an added bonus that she doesn't have to worry about getting pregnant. <laughs> Absolutely, I just think no one is safe though from this like yeah. ability to either have or not have children yeah. and people's sexual freedom at, again, a, la- at a later stage. In and their again, life. It, is it the lack of nuance again that it's a kind of for Alan, it's a black or white thing. You either can or you can't, and that's either good or it's bad. Yeah. And there's no kind of in between discussion. Yeah. Um, around this point, the coke takes effect for the first time, um, and uh, he. He claims that she's hard to categorise, and the reason he gives for this is that you might find her on Celebrity Squares one day, give us a clue the next, then blankety blank. <laughs> I mean, three very similar quiz shows, that's the joke, obviously. Um, so yeah, I, I had a note here, actually. I'd, I'd said, yeah, is she perhaps a Barbara Windsor of the 90s, and perhaps a, a hmm. modern-day equivalent would be like a Sheridan Smith or someone, perhaps? Mm, oh no, Sheridan, yeah, Schiff, Sheridan Smith. Of, in terms but... of like what she's doing, yes, but in terms of age, definitely not. Oh yeah, no, not yeah. in terms of age, yeah. Um, and uh, there's a nice dig here where he says that in, in, in a recent biopic, Helena Bonham Carter plays her because, and I quote, Helena Bonham Carter wanted to play someone a bit rougher. <laughs> um, and then the, sh- the shock reveal comes about Uncle Dennis, doesn't it? I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb here and say this is a very, very weak section. I haven't got many notes on this. I didn't. This whole section really just didn't do very much for me, to be honest. Well, I, I quite enjoyed him uh, reading out the pathologist yeah. report as as the interview continues. Yeah. So you ha- he reads out quite a long section and uh, then ends up with, now there's nice and there's nice and then there's Uncle Dennis. And then as she continues to kind of rebut that, he's then chipping in with identification only possible yeah. with reference to dental records. Massive internal injuries. So as a reminder, Organ malfunction. As a reminder, her Uncle a Dennis... A barbaric frenzied attack. Her Uncle Dennis committed a murder. We should probably make that clear. Yeah. Uh, and he runs a boxing club where boys will do anything for him, which is the point at which Alan starts to put two and two together and starts to fear that actually maybe he's gone a bit too far in um, the character assassination of Uncle Dennis. Well, particularly when uh, Shirley reveals that uh, Uncle Dennis watches everything I'm on on the telly, all the programmes, he listens to everything, he'll be listening. Hello, Uncle Dennis. <laughs> it's a shame in a way, isn't it, that this is the guest that probably Alan could have had the best rapport with, but he's decided this is his opportunity to go full investigative journalist. Yeah. He's, he's trying. <laughs> To, yeah, he's tried to cook report her, and it's backfired. Yeah. And also, it's when you think about it, what what was the best outcome here going to be? Like, she's not responsible for what Uncle Dennis has done. It's yeah, got I, nothing to do with I, her. I like that he he has a need to at this point address uh, Dennis directly. Yeah, um, yep. and Shirley Shirley says that he, he doesn't have to, and then Alan says, "No, I have to do this." Yeah. <laughs> and then essentially thanks Uncle Dennis for the stabbing. Yeah. So yeah, and he basically complete. starts making excuses for him. He's yeah. like, "It was a long time ago. You lost your temper, uh, but well." 
accounts, he was a rather unsavoury character. You know, the world's probably a better place without him. And in a way, thank you. Yeah, for stabbing that man <laughs> yeah, to death. Yeah, yeah. What I do like about segments like this in the radio show as opposed to TV or, or on this time is that it is sometimes harder to see how these segments are going to go. Mm. I think, I think mm. there is, yeah. it is a bit easier to see the direction you're going in when, when you can see the people and, and just the way that the, the TV sketches are written. But with these, yeah, there is a bit of a... You would, you would never have known how this was going to end from the first couple of minutes. Yes. I, mean, I think it's interesting, to your point, Tom, about thinking it's a bit weaker. Mm. I don't think it's necessarily weak, but it's almost like there isn't much to say about it. Like th- The beauty of a segment like this is just listening to how it plays out, and there isn't really much to kind of analyse and dig into, I guess. It's like the interplay of the script between him and Shirley is, and like the, the, the kind of the 180 that happens about him and Uncle Dennis is like, that that's great and it's a really enjoyable thing to listen to but there isn't much to just dig into i guess mm. yeah i feel like it's just one joke done well basically yeah, there yeah, are yeah. there are other segments that are a bit more layered in yeah, terms of yeah. what gets revealed and who talks to who but yeah this is just one joke done well mm. sorry whom shouldn't that be? <laughs> <laughs> and i've wet myself <laughs> if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> uh, so his next guest uh, has been held hostage for two years in Liberia so and as Alan says don't expect him to be too perky it's Chris Lester played by David Schneider um, and the entry music is SOS what I quite like about this <laughs> is that it's obviously a very sober subject but Alan does a really jolly intro he's still suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder please welcome yes. Chris Lester yeah, yeah that, that is brilliant isn't it and yeah. I think uh, in terms of uh, in terms of music choice for entry I think this is yes. the, the, the funniest juxtaposition of SOS by ABBA with a well, hostage it, it's always the most literal ABBA song they can find isn't yeah. it mm. um, yeah because you know like basically if, it, if it's any kind of female guest it's Dancing Queen if it's anything to do with money it's money 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 um, Super Trooper when it's mm. about showbiz lights SOS 
um, like later on you have when you have uh, the Steve Thompson character in the next episode uh, they have take a chance on me yep. because they literally have taken a chance on him oh and Sandra Peaks is gimme 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 yeah. a man as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean it kind of thematically work don't they I was going to say I wonder were the guests creative to match the songs <laughs> or is it just that ABBA has such a diverse back catalogue that there is more or less a song for every guest it probably the latter I would imagine they I don't hmm, I don't think they probably I don't think they created characters especially to fit a song but no, they I, might I think introduce, it's easy enough to shoehorn a song in isn't it or they might just introduce a little trait that might well work. that's the thing like if you look at Janie Katz when you know oh, yeah. you have in the script he's saying what's the name of her game that's the only yeah, way yeah, they yeah. can yeah, so, yeah they do yeah. force some yeah. of them yeah yeah that's the joke but it just, yeah it just gives you a bonus gag doesn't it so mm. so Alan, like. Alan says to Chris uh, thank you for being my hostage today you were confined <laughs> for two years and then uh, he does one of those little maths breakdowns that he likes to yeah. do once in a yeah. while uh, you were confined for two years so he says that that equates to 100 weeks 18,000 hours that's 18,000 episodes of the Darling Buds of May 36,000 episodes of Know Me Know You and then summarises by saying it sounds like torture was it <laughs> in my mind the Darling Buds of May was one of those like TV institutions that ran for years and years and years but there was only three series between 91 and 93. Yeah, only ran for two years. But yeah. I mean, it was it was a massive show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my mind, it was kind of, you know, it ran for like a decade or something yeah. like that. It was absolutely massive. So I think, is it a later episode, they talk about mm. it having 20 million Hayes. viewers. Um, yeah. I couldn't fact check whether that's true or not, but that wouldn't surprise me back in those days that it was probably getting something like that. I think, yeah, it was, it was a huge short phenomenon, wasn't it? Yeah, so I mean, when that was on air, I, I don't know if anyone else has many notes on Darling Buds of May, but when it was on air... Oh, loads. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I loads. don't need to make notes straight off like, <laughs> I mean, oh, Nick, the knowledge is there. I mean, Nick, it's got David Jason in it, so yeah. I imagine you're a big fan. I was a massive fan of it. Yeah, it I mean, was absolutely we'd... perfect. <laughs> there, there it is. There it is. But yeah, we'd have been ages of kind of like nine, nine, ten, eleven when it was on. I do. I definitely remember being quite drawn to the uh, 22 year old Catherine Zeta Jones at the time, but perhaps not being quite sure why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something quite alluring. Oh, uh, you wet yourself, Tom. <laughs> you're sure listening that? to the sure darling, the darling pods of Tom. Uh, when I did get an interesting fact, when the series was first released on video it sold one million pounds worth of copies in the first four days staggering physical media in its prime in the (laughs) early 90s there also it's quite weird that that is a show that was obviously massive and is now effectively dead and buried like that's that's not available or wouldn't be rewatched it kind of hasn't really stood the test of time I wonder, surely it's one of those that's got its home at 3pm on a Sunday on ITV4 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Probably. How the mighty fall. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, Alan says to uh, his hostage or guest, if you like, (laughs) uh, I know it was depressing. I don't want to dwell on that, which makes you wonder why he's got him on, really. Um, And uh, there's a very touching uh, story about the time that he found a beetle. Uh, and called the beetle Hope, and that Hope he kept in a matchbox, but uh, escape the, the beetle escaped two months later. Um, and then Alan says to that, uh, "You're absolutely sure that's the funniest thing. <laughs> if you want, you can make something up. One of the researchers can give you an anecdote. Yeah. I just want to get the audience on your side because at the moment you're coming across as a bit of a sourpuss." <laughs> um, just going back to the 100 weeks and what else would take 100 weeks? Great. Uh, uh, well, I, I recording I, this podcast. <laughs> well, it's. That's quite a good link there, Tom. <laughs> how many time, how many listens of Monkey Tennis could you do in a hundred weeks? I've I've crunched the numbers on this, so I'm sure you're you're keen to know. Um, at the time of recording, there are 84 published episodes of Monkey Tennis, which total 67.4 hours. There are 168 hours in a week, so 16,800 hours in 100 weeks. You could listen to all of Monkey Tennis that's released so far 249 times. And why so wouldn't you? That's the real torture. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like torture. 249 it times. 
I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even once would be bad enough. Um, so after this touching Beatles story, uh, Alan reveals that uh, actually the, the guest's uh, cellmate, I suppose, uh, he said, for two years, you were chained to another human being, Phil, and surprise, here's Phil. Uh, who's impressed everyone with his good humour. Absolute tone change as well. Like the, His tone of voice completely changed. With his good humour and positive yeah. attitude. Yeah, yeah. Also noteworthy that he's called Phil Collins, so they play Phil Collins uh, as he comes in yep. instead of an Abba song. A rare non-Abba song. Um, do you know they talk about they doing the shopping game to pass the time? So I went shopping and bought an apple, I went shopping and bought a banana, um, and how that continues from the a, a to Z. I thought perhaps we could try and have a little game ourselves, uh, a collaborative quiz game. Can we do the shopping game of... A to Z of things in the a, things that exist in the APU. But we're just going to go A to Z. We're not going to yeah, do Yeah, we won't AB, bother doing AB, that yeah, I went shopping because yeah, yeah. that will take forever. Yep. So we can do this uh, kind of quick fire, kind of go round. And should we see if we if we can make it all the way to the end? All right. By the magic of Jed's editing, this will sound <laughs> like we probably nailed it really quickly. I'm very confident we can do this. Okay, right, are you ready? Does it have to be a thing or can it be a saying? It's got to be a thing. It's got to be an object because that is the nature of the game I went shopping and I bought. Okay, it's the name of the game. <laughs> Who's going to play the game then? with you? Um, Don't start with me. Okay, so shall I get us started with A? I went shopping and I bought an Apache attack helicopter. Bouncing back the book. Great. Carol. <laughs> bought Carol. Yeah. Okay. Dallandless shid. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather have. Should we try Dettol? <laughs> yeah, Why is mine wrong? <laughs> you can't buy a Dallandless shid. Well, you can't buy Carol. <laughs> yeah, you can. Uh, Edmunds is Nolicopter. Fungal foot powder. Great. I've got names again. I'm going to buy Gordon. <laughs> you could have had grapefruit juice. Yeah. Uh, Ruby. Tiny letter H. Now I, I'm stuck. I'm stuck on. Has anybody got something for I? I partridge. Yeah. Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you can buy I partridge. Great. <laughs> Nick J. Oh God, I'm going to say jam for jam bombs. Great. <laughs> uh, Kitchen Planet. Long Stanton Spice Museum tickets. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, morphine. Nick Knowles' CD. Great. Owl Sanctuary. Owl Sanctuary tickets. Owl probably. Sanctuary yeah, tickets, yeah. yes. <laughs> I could buy an Owl, Shan- Owl Sanctuary. All right. Bertie Lee bollocks. Big bollocks. <laughs> right, Adam, P, what have you got? 12-inch plate. Plate, <laughs> plate brackets, 12-inch. Yes. Uh, oh, Q. God. Uh, anyone got anything for Q? Uh, Killer Queen. A guy to <laughs> QSPC. QSPC, you've bought QSPC. Yeah. Fine. Uh, R? Uh, a Rover 800. Great. Names again, I'm going to buy Sonia. Actually, no, you could buy Sonia because it was one of... Uh, a, <laughs> As a cleaner. A, a Ukrainian girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Or, or a shower curtain. Yeah. Uh, travel Tavern Roast. You. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, has anyone got anything for you? Getting all the, these are quite... Underappreciated. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Under appreciation. Um, I'm going to say uh, the balance for a bed. Right, that's V. W. World of leather sofa. Yes. Uh, I'll accept. <laughs> X. Oh, oh, God. Adam's oh got X. God. Uh, ex-wife Carol. Can I have that? <laughs> for the purposes of this. Yes. yes thanks. Uh, y. Yellow stuff in tins. <laughs> and said uh, zombies. Shitty. Zombie yes. costume. <laughs> Z- zombie arcade game. Yeah. yeah. Zombie arcade. Shitty zombies. <laughs> Great, so that's our Alan Partridge shopping list complete. Thanks for editing that together, Jed. Yeah. <laughs> to make it sound seamless. <laughs> 
So, Phil, the cheery uh, hostage, has joined Chris, the less cheery hostage. Um, I thought this is actually a really nice concept for a, for a sketch, that there's two people who both suffered this two years of intolerable cruelty, but one's just a bit more fun than the other. Yeah. So. And, he, and he brings them out very much like it's a this-is-your-life type section, yeah. doesn't it? So, obviously, Alan thinks this is going to go really well. They're going to be really excited to see each other. Nothing could possibly go wrong. I think you can tell a lot about Phil Collins, the guest here, that his book is called Hostage with an Exclamation Mark, <laughs> and it's in big gold embossed letters which I like to think is the genesis for Alan uh, to then have big golden bonuses on his books uh, down the line. And again, uh, it's instantly Marba playing a smarmy character. You can tell from the first few lines that he comes out as well. Yeah, and also Phil's written Chris into this semi-autobiographical book as a real weakling uh, and mm. sort of second-rate character. Uh, I did enjoy the bit where Alan talks about um, the press release where, again, it sort of highlights that Chris was very much down uh, in Alan's sort of mind uh, about it, whereas Phil was very, very funny. So at the press release, uh, Phil put an actual ball and chain uh, on the table and Alan goes, there were big laughs when that happened. Big laughs. <laughs> oh, but there's, uh, that's followed by uh, shaking the sand out of his pocket. It's like I just escaped from cold. It's like in the film and Alan says, yeah, that didn't go down so well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why would one of those gags be accepted as funny and one isn't? It's like they're both in really bad taste. Yeah. Alan also describes a literary turn from the book Hostage! Exclamation mark as brilliant. And that literary turn is when uh, Phil describes uh, feet that had seen too much. Well, that's quite a good uh, throw forward to Nomad, isn't it? Yeah, and also a bit of a throwback to Alan talking about uh, the mind's ear, as we described in oh, yes. open yeah, books. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, that's good, yeah. Um, it emerges, obviously, that Phil uh, killed Hope the Beetle that Chris yeah. is ha- hanging on to for some uh, some moral support. And we're starting to see the effects of those uh, lovely French smelling salts <laughs> starting to come through now. Are you, are you guys starting to feel the effects of the smelling salts from the... Are you, are you staring at me? <laughs> um, uh, also, a, a little detail is that Chris did also have a book, but just it's not been enjoyed not, yeah. not been read by many people not selling um and and ne- needles to say alan's done drugs uh let's not forget that later on he's very pious in i'm Anna partridge about mm. drug users but he's he's become mm. one i think uh it's funny I, I mentioned that there's there's the old partridge bbc website that you can you can kind of get to it's weird. It doesn't always come up. It depends, like how you search for something. But when they have little, like one-line episode summaries on the old website for this show, so it's got program one. Alan does not fire blanks. Program two, Stephen McCoon, where are you now? Program three, Alan snorts drugs live on air. So that's like the main synopsis there, yeah. is that Alan's taken drugs for that episode. That's the tagline. Um, so yeah, and it's also this week's bombshell, and on that bombshell, as he realizes that he's taken drugs. Yeah. What did you guys think about the way? this episode wraps up like that. So you basically get this long section of Alan's kind of paranoid cocaine ramblings. Mm. And it just, I don't know, it just didn't really, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but it didn't feel very realistic the way he's like, suddenly I've done drugs. Oh, and on that bombshell, it just felt a bit too kind of quick. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of, I mean, I wouldn't say it's the same thing, but I was going to say about, you know, I know me knowing you when he's kind of drunk and he's been drinking with the TV producers and then sort of like, he goes on a sort of slurring rambly rant but it's not quite the same, but he does kind of like waffle about a load of stuff about, you know, frozen food that he wants to cook. He's asking for cornflakes. Oh yeah. I mean, so that, that's like a really long section where he's talking about, you, you know, you didn't crush Beetle, you didn't crush John Lennon and it, Paul McCartney, it gets a bit McCartney rambly, vegetarian dishes, microwave dishes. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the point that it's kind of 
paranoid ramblings but i just think the way they go alan you've taken drugs and he goes what i've taken drugs and then that's the show ending. he sort of snaps out of it almost yeah, doesn't he he's yeah kind of like he's gone from rambling one moment then when he clocks he's done drugs it's like almost a badge of honor he's like oh i've done drugs and yeah. then it's like back into presenter mode, yeah, like, and on like, that bombshell yeah. thanks yeah. to my guest phil collins the famous one shirley big tits and the frog <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah. quite good sign off so. yeah but yeah i agree i think i think the sort of the, the coke joke is is hastily wrapped up and mm, i think yeah it's rare often you can see examples in partridge where you can see what the obvious joke would be and then they've gone two steps beyond i think mm. this is one where they've just they've just settled for the obvious joke it's a bit like would it have worked better if the kind of cocaine paranoia was kind of came into the that that last interview like bit by bit instead of just at the end it's like all of a sudden he's like going oh, are you staring at me and they're going are oh, you all right alan yeah it, it's just confined to the end it kind of hits very suddenly yeah, doesn't it yeah, rather yeah. than like really building that joke out over the episode yes mm. you get a couple of sniffs but it it kind of hits hard and sudden <laughs> at the end, and as a result, it could have been a stronger uh, gag. But then I, I yeah, but I, I guess maybe it's the thing. Like you know, in the unedited original live recording version, True. that they may have yeah. elongated that to to a point where it worked a lot better, possibly. Yeah, uh, still overall a, a good episode, I think. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and I I thought the uh, the sign offs calling him the frog and things reminded me a bit of way. Obviously, we have the Naomi Knowing You TV show that's set in France, and the sign offs there are Monsieur Testicle and Mister Ohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohiohi
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.